Blog Talk Radio. from Louisville very shortly. Tons of stuff to talk about. Um, as always, this time of year, we always know that's the case. We got uh, EJ putting it all together last night. As we look back at the Cats and the Dogs, Mississippi State, we got programs trying to make runs at our football coaches. Uh, we got MLB and NBA trades. All kinds of stuff. TV man, what's going on up in the Ville? <laughs> I'm, I'm over my sadness. I have I have gotten over my Super Bowl hangover. I'm I'm, I'm doing pretty good now. I'm I'm, I'm in a much better yeah. space. <laughs> oh man, and and uh, you know we definitely gotta spend a lot of time recapping that and letting you take that any kind of direction that you want to go um, as Super Bowl 54 just happened and mm, that was definitely definitely a tough one. We'll definitely get to that for sure. Uh, we'll look back at last night's Kentucky-Mississippi State game. Uh, huge MLB trades, NBA trades, my Rockets right in the middle of all of that. Uh, we got a, a guest coming up at 6.15 um Hosted Sunday AM Sports Talk for 11 plus years. Mark Berger will be on with us uh, here in just a few minutes. And uh, I'm going to have to owe Mark an apology. We've had all his you know, fellow co hosts on multiple times Anthony White, Larry Vault, and never had Mark on. And I should have definitely tried to do that way before now. But looking forward to talking with Mark Berger here in about 12 minutes to be on the 615. If y'all want to give us a call, it's 845-277-9373. If you've never listened to us before, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate y'all taking time to check out the show. It is centered around UK, as Carrie and myself are Kentuckians. Cover the cats, follow the cats, root for the cats. Uh, but as like I always say, everything else, we're oil and water. You know, you're a 49ers fan, I like the Cowboys. You're a Lakers fan, I like the Rockets. I'm a Braves fan, and you are a part of Fly the W Nation now with those Cubs. So, you know, we kind of butt heads and, and have different opinions and angles on everything else. But Kentucky Athletics is the foundation of the show. We also work in some comedy, work in some food, work in some music been fortunate to have lots of great guests on. For example, Dan Issel last week, Dick Vitale, Lee Steinberg, Super Agent, just to name a few. So 
for coming and checking us out. We hope you enjoy it. Appreciate those who listen uh, on the regular and take time out of y'all's busy evenings and weeks to listen to the show. We definitely appreciate it. Um, so I mentioned we got Mark Berger coming up at 6.15. Just want to take a second and let y'all know that the show is coming to you courtesy of the Smoky Mountain Trader, 5063 Suite 1 West Andrew Johnson Highway. If you got graphic needs, advertising needs, you want to put a classified ad in, the Smoky Mountain Trader can take care of you. They service three states, Tennessee, where I'm at, 12 counties, Lee County, Virginia, which is southwest Virginia, Bell County, Kentucky, southeastern Kentucky, Lee Earls, Lynn Earls is the publisher there. He's the man to see. He's the man to call to list an item, trade an item, sell an item, buy an item, whatever you'd like to do, they can take care of it. TheSMTrader.com online. Follow them on Twitter and Facebook at SMKYMTN Trader, the Smoky Mountain Trader. They can take care of all of your graphic needs. They're the number one red reader in the Tri-State area. We always appreciate them helping us bring the show to you. TV man, I'm going to have to give you the floor until 615. We'll call Mark Berger. And we didn't even get to talk about a lot of the stuff with iHeart, with people we know in radio abruptly seeing their shows be taken off the air and be brought to an end. Um, Mark and the fellas at Sunday AM Sports Talk were included in that. You know, Mark and Anthony White later bought all those guys. Next thing you know, they were brought back. We'll talk about that with Mark as well. And then Mark is uh, looking to go ahead and going to retire and spend more time with his wife and be free on Sunday evening. So a lot of ups and downs and roller coaster type stuff. Looking forward to talking with Mark about that. But if you want to get some of the Super Bowl grief out now, go ahead. If you want to hit EJ, go ahead. Just this Super Bowl 54, seven minutes away, just. I'm just gonna let you do what you wanna do, man. It, you know, it's it, 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 uh, it, it's tough. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I said back in 2013, uh, when my 49ers lost to the Ravens, and you had that chance, Kaepernick was throwing into the end zone, trying to get the ball to Crabtree. The the watching your team lose a Super Bowl, there's a there's a uniqueness to it. And lo and behold, here I am, some years and get uh, some years uh, down the road with the same thing. But but like you said, uh, up ten with just under seven minutes left, and then to lose by eleven is a different kind of what just happened. Uh, you know, I almost wish that Mahomes had come out early, and and the Niners would have been down twenty-one nothing. You know, because that would have been, okay, all right, you know, not our night, this kind of stuff. But uh, picking him off twice, the Jimmy G interception, the first one really didn't hurt. Uh, everything was was motoring. We had the lead. Everything was looking good. And, you know, the defensive line played well. Uh, Mahomes was pressured all night. Uh, Bosa had like 20-something you know, pressures or however they – like, it was just phenomenal. But if you watch the game, Mahomes was always just out of reach. You know, it's a, as they say, it's a game of inches, and he was always just enough to avoid a, a sack, just enough to get away. Um, but when we're up 10, when the Niners are up 10, I'm thinking – I've started to allow myself to think, okay, 
the 49ers oh. are winning. I'm 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 feeling good. The defense was playing remarkably well, and uh, I was actually watching the game with with Mama B. And when Mahomes hit that 45 yard completion to Tyree Kill on third and ten, I said a bad word and <laughs> I just said oh oh poop. But I didn't say poop. At that point, I just said, oh, man. You know, and it was just one of those situations where you're just like, okay, we got to do something. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated. Debo Samuel was the leading rusher receiver for the first three quarters. Zero touches in the fourth. I had had conversations with Falcons fans that Shanahan had learned his lesson. And I'm thinking, once they get it within seven or within three, I'm like, okay, uh, you know, it's 2017. I'm thinking, okay, if we run the ball and we average, you know, you figure maybe 40, 45 seconds per rush, and the way the 49ers were rushing the ball, and uh, again, I think Kyle Shanahan got too cute. Uh, although I was convinced that Jimmy G was going to have to make some plays. I tweeted as much. Uh, I think I said as much last week that eight pass attempts against uh, Green Bay in the NFC Championship game, okay, that was one thing. But to win a Super Bowl, your your quarterback's going to have to make a play. And, uh, and he did not. At one point, I think it was like 18 of 20 and was looking really, really efficient. Uh but for my money, the deep ball miss to Emmanuel Sanders, which, mm-hmm. you know, he Sanders had him beat. And Jimmy G has got to put that, that – that's a play your quarterback has to make. Uh, and we can we – can, you can go throughout Super Bowl history, and I think I said this, that even the guys that are quote-unquote game managers, quote-unquote, you know, nothing special – to win a Super Bowl, your quarterback on that drive to the Super Bowl, there's throws they have to make. Like Trent Dilber, right. he made those throws, you know, with the with the with the Ravens uh, some years ago. Uh, Eli Manning, uh, for my money, I think the the defense <laughs> played a bigger role in the Giants winning, but there were throws that Eli had to make, and he absolutely made them. Mm-hmm. I mean the the. In the second Super Bowl, the drop off to, to Manny. You know, so you, you you know, and, and even going back to uh, you know way back when, I know your Cowboys was fifty three seventeen whatever it was they beat the Bills by that year. Still, the throws Aikman had to make. Like even if your team is blowing out, like you still have to make some throws. And yeah. uh, I had said to myself, I said Jimmy G can make those throws. He he did not when it mattered the most. That's the, that's the killing part is he looks great. Uh, I, I would argue that Jimmy G, uh, that Garoppolo outplayed Mahomes for the first three quarters. I think that that's reasonable. Uh, but when the get came down to it, there were the throw to Sanders, a couple of others. Uh, yeah, he, he, you got to make those throws. Uh, and Shanahan, you, you've got to run the ball. You've got to uh, – that's the frustrating thing is for everything that Mostert did 
in the NFC Championship game, it was the second quarter before he got a touch. Oh. Like, what? You know, there's oh. that, the end of the first half. Uh, I disagree with the pass interference on Kittle. I thought it was a – I thought, you know, but I'm looking at through 49ers glasses. But still, <laughs> if you're going to uh-huh. make – now, that was a throw that Jimmy G – that was a great throw and catch. But I was agreeing with Troy Aikman – if you're if you're gonna run out the clock, run out the clock. If you're gonna take a shot, why didn't you take like we went to the locker room with three timeouts? What are you doing? That was poor uh-huh. game management because I'm thinking you're not gonna beat Kansas City with with field goals. You've got to get touchdowns. And I think anybody that's watched football for a long time understands that yeah, if you you got to get seven versus three because with a with a team like Kansas City that can score in a hurry, you you, you got to score points if you've got the opportunity to score when you're rolling. And and they didn't. And, and tip my hat to to the Chiefs. They they played well. Uh, obviously, Mahomes is that dude right now. And uh, when his team needed it, he he made those throws. You know, fourth quarter of the Super Bowl year, yeah. you have to have a quarterback that can make the big time throws. Kansas City did, and and the Niners did not. Now. Uh, you know, I don't know if the Niners will get back. I don't know. You know, a lot of people, oh, you know, the, like, we've, we've seen that. If you'd have told me after we lost uh, to – I keep saying we, and I need to get out of that habit. But after losing to the Ravens a few years oh, ago, yeah. I thought, okay. I mean, it was three straight championship games, NFC championship games. You're thinking, oh, okay, we're, the 49ers are back. And then you just had that steep drop-off. So, uh when you get those chances, you have to take advantage of them. And, yeah, watching your team lose two Super Bowls, that's, that's rough. It, it is. Yeah. yeah that's, I haven't had that with the Cowboys. I haven't been in forever. But I think, I mean, uh, I watched the Braves lose game seven in 91, one to nothing to the Twins. And honestly, <laughs> I think that prepared me for Leitner the following year. So, I mean, I, th- I think seeing Smokes and the fellas lose, you know, one to nothing, you know, to Jack Morris, you got to tip your hat to him. So, it, it's those staffs to the heart are real. I, I definitely understand and sympathize. I still remember John Stockton hitting. Shots to knock the Rockets out in the Western Conference Finals uh, in 97 or 98, one of those years. So, yeah, that's not sticks with you. And for the Niners to be that close, um, I definitely feel your pain. Um, let me flip and see because I think our guest is on the line right now. I think he's going to call us. And we have with us the host of Sunday Sports Talk for 11 plus years, about to enjoy and become easy like Sunday morning because he hosted the last show this past Sunday talking about Mark Berger on the line right now, spending part of his Wednesday evening with us. Welcome to Cast Talk Wednesday, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. I got a I gotta just start off. 
apologizing to you right off the bat because I I went through some old emails and I thought I was going to find receipts that proved that I sent an email to you long ago asking about you coming on the show, and I did not. And I meant to, and I hate this taking this long. So I apologize for all well, that. That's no problem. I'm never surprised when people don't want to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, and I've, I've mentioned we've had Anthony on, you know, several times, had Larry on, and I just knew I had sent that email out, and I hadn't, so that is on me, and I totally apologize for that. But we are happy no to have you on now, for sure. You said that the missus was out doing something, and you were just kicking it at the house, kind of having some you time at the house, so we appreciate you taking the time. What kind of roller coaster has it been for you for these past couple of weeks? Because, you know, Terry, I didn't even get to talk about the iHeart, you know, cutting out jobs and all this, and next thing we know, you guys were including that. Then next thing you know, Tom Leach, you know, does CPR and you're back, and then next thing you know, Sunday we're listening to your live show. So what what kind of roller coaster has it been? Well, it's been a little bit weird, honestly, um, because I had, uh, you know, it, it, like I'd always, you know, we were a small little show. I'd always operated under the impression that, that uh, we uh, we were too small to get taken off the air, and uh, it's just it's one of the things that happens in radio a lot, right? We uh, we uh, you know, and it you know eventually it comes for everybody. It, it, it turns out, and you know, I was it was odd because you, you just get a call like it wasn't anything that I had I'd known was in the in the works or anything that anybody had expected. And you just get a call from out of the blue, and you know, and and then the show's over, and I. Like I didn't have any animosity about it. They'd given me 11 years to do the show. Uh, they'd given me an opportunity to do something I'd always, you know, dreamed of having a chance to do, and I, I'd, I'd sort of lost track of sort of having a chance to do it. And it just, and so, you know, it was sad that it went away. But I was really happy to have gotten as much time there as, as we'd gotten, and you know, especially the time to sort of grow into the role and, and put together what I thought was a really good show by the end. Yeah, talking with Mark Berger, 11-year run, Sunday AM Sports Talk, Curtis Birch, Anthony White, Larry Vault, and you're humble and objective the way you're viewing it, but how surprised were you at the shock and the anger and the outcry when people realized and, and flipped on the radio and saw, and when you posted on like Facebook and Twitter that that the show was going to be no more. How surprised were you at at the outcry? I was really surprised, to be honest with you. You know, I knew we had built up a little bit of a following, but the thing that was that was most sort of shocking about it was the number of people. And and you guys know, you know that there are people out there who listen that you never hear from, right? They say ten percent of all people call or, or tweet or, or email a radio show. Um, you know, so all these folks that had, that had listened to the show all those years. You know, came out of the woodwork on Twitter. People that I had never had an interaction with that that told us how much that they appreciated the show and and we're going to miss the show and that meant a lot. And it was really for a couple of days, it was really kind of overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, and it was um, like I said, just I mean, just a roller coaster for me. Looking on the outside, looking in, just a roller coaster to to 
to see you know, and the, what Tom Leach decides to do. And, well, and that's the thing yeah. that really drove, I think, Tom's decision. It was, you know, it was what seven or eight days later. My phone rings and it's Tom Leach, and he's like, "Hey, I saw all this." Uh, you know, I, I, would you be interested in putting a show back together? And and you know, I talked to Larry and I talked to Anthony and and we you know we were going to do it and um, but that 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 sort of outpouring of of you know sort of sadness that the show was going was what made that happen. Now, if if everything had just remained as is, if iHeart hadn't you know. You know, let you know that the show wasn't going to be on anymore. You mentioned that you had been considering stepping away anyway to spend more time with your better half to actually realize what it's like to have Sunday morning freedom. If everything had just remained on course, how much longer would you have done the show before you stepped away? As you ultimately have. I don't have any idea, to be honest with you. Probably at least two more years. You know, we had because it, it, it was the only thing we had known for a really long time. Like that was just our routine. Um, and you know, and then we had the two weeks off, and I, I, we had you know, I had completely forgotten what it was like to just spend Saturday morning at home sipping coffee and and watching whatever. Um, and it was, mm-hmm. it turns out, it was really nice. You know, we hadn't done that in a really long time, and we enjoyed it a great deal. And so the more we thought about it, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, we're just going to do that. And it was, you know, it's, I can't tell you how hard it is to say no to Tom Leach. You know, he's the nicest person on earth. And, and the idea that he thought so much of the show to bring us back was really flattering. Um, but it was, you know, the more I thought about it, the more that this was what, it, just with the break and stuff, that the timing was right to make that move. And, and it, you know, gives me an opportunity to spend more time. You know, like like I said, you know, I told Mark's story in the Herald Leader, more time at home with my wife, which we enjoy a great deal. There's going to be uh, more time this summer to get away and do things. And it's just it's it, it was probably just time for me to move on. And, and the thing about it, the way it worked out was the idea that Curtis is going to take over Curtis Birch, who produced the show for a long time and then left to, to work for the U.K. Sports Network and is going to have an opportunity to come back. Uh, and, and host the show. In addition to that, I think people really aren't going to notice much of a difference in the show. He's, you know, he's got a little bit different style than I do. But he and Anthony work great together. He and Larry work great together. And I think people that really enjoy the show are still going to really enjoy the show. And I think that's probably the best thing about the way the transition worked. For sure, for sure. Talking with Mark Berger, transitioning to enjoying free weekends now. Uh, I saw you tweeting, everybody follow Mark if you're not already at Meisterberger. I saw you tweeting a few days ago about Isla Fisher, and of course you have two more things in common with her than we do, being a redhead and having that temper. Was it overblown for radio, or do you are you typical redhead when it comes to temper? Or like when you're watching the Bengals, do you really get that mad, or are they just giving you a hard time on the show for good radio? No, that's the way it is. That's just what it is. Uh, you know, it's funny because I don't, I'm better now than I used to be. Uh, you know, as you get older, you, you like, you just run out of gas, to be honest with you. Uh, but you know, I don't watch that many Bengals games cause I didn't, you know, I, I would get crazy watching them and they just honestly aren't worth getting crazy over. Um, you know, I've calmed down a little bit, but like I, I am, I'm capable of flipping out. No, that is a, that is a real life fact. 
So, well, again, really, as so, I've said on the know, show many times, like people talk about Mark Stoops and oh my gosh, Mark Stoops' face is getting red. Red isn't even angry for us. Red is red is just sort of <laughs> mildly annoyed. If your face turns purple, then there's no problem. <laughs> oh man. Um, and speaking of your Bengals, do you want Burrow? Do you, do you think you should trade down and get picks because there's so many holes on that roster? And what what should they do? First off, I never want anybody to get drafted by the Bengals. I always feel badly for them. Um, so I hope that they do something dumb and don't take him. Um, I think if if you if if the Bengals. I think it's hard to pass on a, on a potentially elite quarterback. And I think that's the thing, you know, like when the Bengals were offered the universe for the Achilles Smith pick, they should have taken it because he wasn't going to be an elite quarterback. And frankly, they could have still gotten him the way that things worked out. Um, you know, and that was the Tim Couch draft. Year. I, I don't know that they could, you know, if they take a package of picks for Joe Burrow, they're not getting Joe Burrow at five. I mean, that's just not, that's not what's going to happen to, whoever trades them the picks is trade enough to get Burrow and not, you know, a Ricky Williams. So he'll be gone. And I don't think that you can pass on an elite or a potentially elite quarterback when you get an opportunity to do that. Um, you know, we can, you can argue the number of quarterbacks the Bengals should have passed on over the years, Achilles Smith being one, David Klingler probably being another. Um, but, you know, I think they have to take Burrow if, if, you know, if they have any, you know, unless they have somebody, unless bro, Eli Manning's him and says, I'm just not going to play for you. And even then you take him and trade him after the draft. Right. right. Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting to see how it plays out and what they do. Keeping it in Cincinnati, you're the Reds. Are you, are you buying into the hype, this buzz and this, you know, them winning the central and, and it all clicking and coming together. I am cautiously optimistic, which is the most hope I've given myself going into a red season in a very long time. Not even I guess it's not <laughs> the thing with the Reds is it's not even that long ago. Like they were they should have beaten the the Giants in the in that first round playoff series in was that fifteen, right? Maybe it was thirteen. Yeah. I lose track of time a yeah, little bit, but it's, like, yeah. it's not like the Bengals where they just haven't won a playoff game in eternity. You know, the Reds were. You know, if the Reds win that, the Reds were up two zero in that series, and, and the Giants go on to win the World Series. So, you know, if uh, if Cueto doesn't get hurt in that series, I think that's the year that the Reds win the World Series. So, like, it's I haven't given quite up on on the Reds the way I gave up on the Bengals years ago. <laughs> No, I guess it was only five years ago that I guess it was only five years ago that the Bengals were up on the Steelers with a minute and a half to play and couldn't win a playoff game. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's that's true. I know you're also a big NKU guy, Norse Pride. You mentioned on the show Sunday that y'all were going to watch them play Brad Calipari in Detroit on Saturday. If if Brad is lighting them up. Are you going to be torn? Are you going to be upset that the Norse are getting beat? Or have you went through those scenarios? You're just going to enjoy the game no matter what. Oh no, I'll be incensed that the Norse are getting beat. Like it would make me, it would make me crazy. That would that would be the worst way for them to lose that game. And you know they had they're really good. I I you know they just got a guy back in Dantel's Walton who who was 
I mean, I think it was three straight weeks. He was the Horizon League Player of the Week, and then he got injured. Um, they started the season without Jalen Tate, who was their best player the last couple of years. Uh, not their best player because I was Drew McDonald, but a really important player for them. He missed the beginning of the season. They've got everything together, and except for the they got stomped the other night up at Wright State. But other than that, they're winning Horizon League games by 20. I mean, they're just killing people. So if they were to lose that game because Brad Calipari scored a million points, I'd be pretty bummed out. <laughs> if they lose, I'm also not going to be allowed back because we were up there for an event at a basketball game several weeks ago. And they walked to Texas Southern, who was like three and eight at the time. And Johnny Jones, who should never beat anybody. <laughs> that's, a, that's a name from the past. I don't even know where Johnny is going to. Wow. He's that's a Texas funny. Southern man. <laughs> man. Um, so now that you're not doing Sunday AM Sports Talk, um, are you still going to be at every UK game? Are you going to be at all of them still covering them? Or are you going to no, come back uh-huh. to that no, well? I haven't been. I haven't been since they announced, you know, the the cut originally. And I probably, you know, it's. Oh. I, I have a longstanding tradition of preferring to watch games at home anyway. And it was great to have the opportunity mm-hmm. to go and, and be part of the media contingent, which is like if there's a nicer sports media contingent in any city in the country, I don't know what it is. Like the people that, that work in sports in Lexington are incredibly kind, incredibly helpful, and for the most part really, really supportive of each other. And I think that speaks really well of, of folks here. Um, but I just – I prefer watching games at home. It's just – it's more convenient. It's more comfortable. I can cheer instead of having to sit there and, and pretend to be emotionally detached from it, which I'm not. Um Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of a – it sort of works out for me on that level too. Um, and, and on the sports contingent thing, it's funny. I, like I remember going to Tom Leach years and years ago when he won uh, an award at the Bluegrass Sports Award Awards, um, the, the local sportscaster, sports personality of the year thing that they used to give out there. Um, and I said something to him about – he thanked him for being as kind to me as he had been even back then. And uh, and mentioned how like how supportive everybody had been. Gabe and Steve Moss at KYT and, and Buzz Baker was really great to us. Um, you know, and he said that when all of them were coming up, they would all go to Kwood and ask questions. You know, and Kwood was always incredibly gracious to them with their time, and they all thought they. Uh, you know, that was something that they could pay forward. So if you're if you were interested, K Wood still has a huge sort of impact on the media culture of Lexington, Kentucky all these years later. Man. That is awesome. That is awesome. We're talking with Mark Berger, uh hitting all kind of topics with him. So I guess that um I guess back to the Missouri game, because that's the game that after it was over, Tony Navy came in and, and said it was a Nick and Quick show and, and kind of got that chuckle. Uh, I think that's the last one I was at. And I'm kicking myself because I tweeted y'all about it because y'all were talking about it on the show that Sunday. I was sitting and saw you kind of walk in and then make a beeline and walk out. So I, I should have ran and hollered at you like you said. You called me out on the show that day for not saying hello, and I should have done it. So uh, I apologize again. <laughs> I'm just I'm just airing all my grievances and apologizing for all my mistakes to you, you know, since you're on with us, man. I'm just getting them all out there. No, it's fine. I think that was the last one I was hey, at, see, too. 
Okay. Man, TB, I've been gabbing, man. You got something from Mark. Definitely jump on in. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark and I, we've, our paths crossed a few times covering the uh, yeah. Kentucky games and, uh, and everything. Because uh, did you do a uh, Kentucky-Louisville basketball game? Is that right? Or am I making that up? I can't remember. Did so, I anyway, we we yeah did uh, did you cover one one of the games in Louisville? Anyway, yeah, but well, it's Louisville been a few. I once. Yeah, I went to the one they lost okay. there to uh, Mitchell yeah. and those guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But our our, our paths have crossed, and uh, I had a question, Vinny, and you put me on the spot. So there you go. Oh. This is this is why I'm bad at radio. Well, I I do know that Mark is still in sins and holding a deep grudge about, you know, you've been a Niners fan and all about what what happened no, I when they crossed paths in their right. Super Bowls. No, I know I he hate hates the guys. Niners like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, it's funny because I fell asleep and they were still winning and I was just devastated. I was like, I hate that stadium. I hate that team. I hate everything about everything that's happening right now. And then I fell asleep and they lost. And so I just won't watch them play anymore because that's how it works. <laughs> so you you go to you go to NKU and they lose to Texas Southern. You're watching the Super Bowl and the Niners are winning, and you can't even enjoy them losing. You go to sleep and then they fall apart. I mean, nothing goes your way. No, it does, and that's sort of a longstanding. That was a longstanding joke on the show, right? That it's not them, it's me. Like I am, I am the jinx. I am the problem. NKU played in two Division Two national championship games, right back in the day, and in one of them, I was there. And I, you know, a, another longstanding joke on the show is that I was the NKU mascot. That's not really a joke. That was a reality, but <laughs> they make jokes about it on the show. And I still have like the helmet because there was never another mascot. I still have the helmet from the from the old uniform. So I'm sitting there. The game was in Louisville. I've got my Norse horns on and dude lots like Shannon Miner who played for Northern is now the coach at North college hill in Cincinnati fires up a shot from like right in front of me. And the ball is going in the net. We all know it's going in the net. I am in the stairs headed down to storm the court of my Norse horns and it bounces out and NKU loses. It's me. Like oh. I, I am the problem. Right. That is some tough Tough sports look, man. That is goodness gracious. Um, so, the fun part of was commiserating was commiserating with Jim Breach's son, who is a writer for CBS Sports now, John Breach, over Twitter about like he posted a video of his dad kicking the field goal uh, that put the Bengals ahead in the last Super Bowl they were in with the Niners, of course. And then, you know, John Taylor runs down and they just march on on and and win the game on the Taylor catch and I and I, like Lou Billups had a ball hit him in the hands and he dropped it or the game would have been over mm. stupid mm. the super bowl stupid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that that super bowl 23 Vinny where Jerry Rice had 11 catches for 215 yards and a touchdown and he was super bowl MVP oh. just in case you had forgotten oh. that point oh and he goodness. and he did like he didn't even make the biggest play of the game that's the thing that, that, that's correct. Oh, he, he motioned 
and, and kind of shifted the defense a little bit, and Taylor came right. underneath that. But, yeah, he did not have that the, the big, big catch. And I think he had a drop in the third quarter of that game, too, that would have been uh, would have been bigger. But uh, In their defense, so yeah, the Bengals yeah. didn't score an offensive touchdown in the game and probably didn't deserve to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I know I know we've we've had some conversations about the Bengals on Twitter, Mark, and uh, I know you say that you should kind of the Reds are cautiously optimistic, but is the Bengals? It's just a you know, Burrow, no Burrow. Do you have any faith that Mike Brown's going to do what it takes to kind of get the team where it needs no. to be? No, never. You know, and he's I, I, I I'm. People are telling me I should be more charitable because he's gotten close lately. Um, you know, not not in the last three years, obviously, but you know, again, they they were they were within a minute and a half of beating the Steelers in that playoff game. Um, they just couldn't do it. But the problem is they just they can't do it. They culturally can't do it. They don't know how. They're not disciplined enough to do it. They've never been disciplined enough to do it. Um, you know, I I understood the move away from Marvin because they just weren't going anywhere else. Like, it was, it was the exact same thing that happened with Dusty Baker, right, with the Reds. Dusty, they were never going farther than they had gone with Dusty Baker. You have to make a change just to make a change, but they both of them went backwards, and you could almost predict both of them, both of them happening. I, there's, there's, a, there's a part of me that, that understands that sort of Marvin Lewis's personality was the only thing that kept that show on the rails, and when he left, it was over. Um, because you know Mike knows he can stomp all over the you know the young new coach, and he's just going to go back to being Mike. And he just, they don't they don't need to win to make money. They don't care whether or not they win, obviously, because they never have. And I just don't have any faith that they're gonna that they're gonna want to win moving forward. You know, and, and we've Maybe talked about win accidentally. where if the ownership. Like wins or losses, if it doesn't, if there's no financial advantage, if you can think up the joint and still bring a profit, a lot of these owners are okay with it. You know, we yeah. saw what and, what Sterling did with the Clippers for years and years. It's like, you know, we'll be the second tenant in L.A. and we can still make money and not even really be competitive at all. Yeah, the combination for the Bengals of sort of the the NFL financial model, you know, salary caps, revenue sharing. Um, the appreciation of the value of the franchise, and then you throw on top of that the crazy, crazy lease they have for the stadium. So I mean, he doesn't have to do anything ever. Yeah, because they've got a lot of kickers in that lease where upgrades kind of the, the city of Cincinnati and Hamilton County is kind of on the hook for a lot of that stuff. Is that right? Correct. Not kind of on the hook. They're on the hook. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that, that's, that's a good, good deal you can get it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, man, Mark, we uh, definitely wish you all the best going forward, enjoying all those Sundays with the missus coming up, uh, Sunday mornings on the boat if that's what you want to do, or whatever y'all decide that's to fact. do, that you got time to pursue it. Uh but thank you so much for taking time to hop on with us and, and definitely to get you on again and um, just enjoy the free time that's coming y'all's way, man. Y'all Absolutely it. appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Keep in touch. Thank you, Mark. Sure will. All right. Thanks, Mark. Later.
Mark Berger. Seeing what the Reds are going to do. No faith in what the Bengals are going to do. 11 plus years on Sunday AM Sports Talk with Anthony White, Larry Vault, uh, Bo Robinson, Curtis Burke in and out of there as well. Uh, Tom Leach said, here, y'all ain't going nowhere. I'm going to bring you back, which was really cool. And they're right back in that Sunday AM, 9 AM to 12 PM slot like they're every week going forward. So definitely cool. Finally getting Mark on. I should have should have had him on a long time ago, for real though. Oh yeah, he he's uh, but you know he's a he's a good follower there on the Twitter dot com and uh, yeah, you know he really pushes uh, Northern Kentucky, which is one of those you know we you and I most of us kind of stay focused on Louisville, Kentucky, maybe Western and Eastern, but when you look around the state, especially when it comes to like basketball. Uh, at like at every level has been really, really good. If you look back the last 10, 15, 20 years, there's a lot of really good basketball being played in the state of Kentucky. And I think we kind of forget yeah. about that. I, I think there was the one year, it was either 96 or 98. I think it was 98. Uh, I'd have to look it up. But, of course, Kentucky won uh, on the men's uh, NCAA side. But, like, Kentucky Wesleyan, I think, at least played for the Division Two title. Northern Kentucky's always in that mix. Georgetown won NAIA. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, a, you know two or three seasons, and there was you know three or four championships at different levels here in the state of Kentucky that you know I, I think some people some people forget about that it's not just Louisville, Kentucky. You know, Western. If you look, Western is top fifteen all time in wins. You know, if, yeah. so. Uh, so it's just one of those things that. It, uh, that you forget about. And also it's, it's bad when a team like Northern makes the big dance and the NCAA hasn't played Kentucky in the first round. Like that's not, uh-huh. and, 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 and you see that when one of these, and I'm for lack of a better word, uh, these smaller schools get into the tournament, you can bet that they're going to play in the first round. And it's, I don't know if it's just the state of Kentucky thing, but I don't see like North Carolina playing UNC Charlotte in the first round or UNC Greensboro or, you know, Duke playing those teams or, or anything like that. Or uh, it just, because, you know, Louisville has played uh, in the first round, you know, they lost to Moorhead in 2011. And then they played another school yeah. relatively close. Revolutionary soon too, and Kentucky in I think 2015 played Western Kentucky in the first round. It's like, come on, you know, don't don't do that. Because uh, you got Eastern a lot of too with Travis Ford. Is that what it was? I played Travis Ford one year with Eastern one year. Kentucky did. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and well, we we played Eastern Kentucky. Uh, yeah, that was 2005 up in Indy. Absolutely, right. that yeah. game. Was was a whole lot closer than it should have been, simply because I mean it's yeah it's I don't think it's fair to the smaller school because they need uh, because I think if if a Western or an Eastern or Moorhead or, or Murray uh, or a Northern Kentucky if they're playing anybody else you can get the whole state behind them right but <laughs> I was in Indy playing 
uh, Northern, when, when, when Kentucky played Northern Kentucky a couple of years ago in the tournament, and it's like, I want Northern Kentucky to do well, but I'm going to be honest with you, I, want, <laughs> I, I need these cats to win this game, man. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the NCAA, you know, we, we can talk about that, you know, and how they seed and how they do all that kind of stuff. I think it's unfair, but uh, I tell folks all the time, it's not just the Louisville and Kentucky um, that are really good at basketball. That's it. That's it. We'll take us a quick little break. We got Facebook Live going as well. Got some questions coming in there about the Rockets. Got some questions coming in there about is Cal already put his tweak in? Did it take place last night? So we get to all of that. Um, you know, people making runs that. Kentucky football coaches, which is just still taking some getting used to. Uh, all these big old trades that happened in MLB and the NBA, all kind of stuff still yet to come. Cat Talk Wednesday, Benny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brad Hardy Radio Network. Y'all stay right with us because we'll be right back. Yeah, you can't buy happiness. I mean, that made me happy for a little while. <laughs> but once you fall in love, it's now that I've found that, the world seems a lot better. Cause I can't give it up for
are back, y'all. Can't talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Thanks to Mark Berger for hopping on, taking time to jump on with us. Enjoyed chatting with him. Um, had some breaking news that everybody was expecting and waiting for. We're not huge recruiting guys with TV. We just saw that another dude that Kentucky football was waiting for has decided to become a cat. Michael Drennan, four-star out of Dublin, Ohio, uh, Kaufman High School, which is an athlete, a wide receiver, according to Justin Rowland. Um, it came down to Kentucky and USC. Heard earlier in the week when Vince Merrow was pondering or at least listening to Youngstown State, you know, with the head coaching position being available there and Vince being from there and Vince wanting to have aspirations being the head coach, that Dren was waiting to make his decision after Vince Merrow made his decision. Like, if Vince leaving, I might be going to USC, basically. Merrow uh, tweeted out a few days ago that he was still wanting to stay at Kentucky, committed to Kentucky, and so now Michael Drennan announces that he is committing to Kentucky. So it will now be, according to Derek Terry, the seventh four-star athlete for the 2020 class for Kentucky football. That's big-time news. You know, we're not recruiting guys, but uh, there's a palpable buzz around the football program, and we can certainly talk about that. Uh, it it was uh, Youngstown State that was looking at uh, Vince Morrow to, to, to possibly come and take in, and then he decided to stay put, and you see how the, the dominoes fall with that. Uh and I can't remember who tweeted it out, but I think Vince at some point will be a head coach. But but mm-hmm. I think he still has a lot of work that he wants to get done here at here at UK. And, and I think uh, for the work he's put in, Youngstown State, and I'm not knocking Youngstown State. I know they've won a lot of uh, titles on that level. But if you have a chance to do something special, uh, it's not it's not V one it's it's the it's the FBS is that what we say now I, I still say D one and one double A or whatever I'm dating myself but uh, if you got a chance to make your mark at the top in the SEC because hey let's get let's get crazy I, I know Georgia is still going to be Georgia but but let let's get crazy and next year. You know, you got to start thinking that Kentucky, is this going to be the year that Kentucky goes in the year ranked ahead of South Carolina? Is this going to be the year? We don't know. But you you can talk yourself into a a second-place finish in the East, and depending on what game Georgia decides to choke away, who who knows? So uh, (laughs) Kentucky football has got a, a chance to do something really special. Yeah, you got what South Carolina you beat them five out of six. You got Vanderbilt you beaten four, three, four, five years in a row. 
Missouri, five in a row. Florida, you've beaten them once and been in toe-to-toe and right there for the past four or five years. And Missouri now has a new coach who is, I think he was at, he was at that state with Satterfield last year. And in his big press conference, he made news by saying, he, you know, he's coming in with goals to win the Sun Belt. So, you know, he misspoke. And, you know, people made fun of him. I made fun of him. You know, he's still forgetting what conference he's in. But, you know, the first year coach of Mizzou is still trying to win the Sun Belt. So, you know, Stoops is established. You know, you saw the Super Bowl commercial, which was outstanding again. And they start off that commercial with how do you build a program? And Stoops and Grant and, I mean, Randall Cobb and Oliver Barnett and Cash Daniel and former players and current players and older players and young players and several assistant coaches. And somewhere along the line, you know, Stoops, I think it was Stoops that says, you know, after asking how do you build programs, by doing what you said you were going to do. And that's what they've done. Uh, you know, when it, they it, it, brought him in, this, you know, he pitched this idea to Barnhart. It's a Tim Couch, played a role in the hire. And he obviously, no doubt, laid this out to them. And here he's been able to implement it and, and put a lot of it into practice and still trending up. Absolutely. You know, building a football program, it's, it, you can't do it in one year. You can't really do it in two years. And, and you know, we, we've seen, been singing Mark Stoops' praise uh, for, for years now. And the reason you know that you've got a program is uh, I, I talk to, you know, opposing fans because I do live here in the city of Louisville all the time. And how many teams, how many? I, I don't think we understand the scope of what, the Kentucky football team did this past year. How many teams can go four deep into their quarterback situation and still have a winning record? Like, how, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Right? How many people can you lose QB1, QB2, get hurt, and totally revamp on the fly their entire offense and still have the success that Kentucky has? That's that's a program, that's yeah. a culture, and I have said on this show, I have said all over the place, uh, for the wide receivers to to buy in like they did, you know, it, it, look, Lynn Bowden was wonderful, the defense was fantastic, running games always strong, but you don't make that change unless your wide receivers buy into it. That's the that mm-hmm. I, I think was the biggest turnaround is you don't have those lanes, you don't have uh, you know, the the blocking downfield if your wide receivers aren't blocking. I mean you and I, again, dating ourselves a little bit, we can talk about, uh, you know, the Cowboys of the 90s, those Niner teams, and the offensive line that the Cowboys had, but a lot of the big, big runs that Emmitt Smith would get to the outside that's because Irvin and Harper are doing their job on the outside. It takes wide receivers committed to running to run the ball, and 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 for them to go away from a pro style offense and to basically 
you know, the Service Academy flex bone wing tee and, and, and win and be competitive, uh, it, it, you know, and that's what kills me. Like, oh, you know, look look what he did running the ball. Like, we, we didn't have to throw the ball. Like, that's the – that that that's a, a, enough about the the football program, <laughs> but but recruiting that's where it starts. The program building, uh, Stoops. Uh, I, I've said he may not be the guy, but man, he's doing a pretty darn good impersonation of, of what you want out of the football. Program. Absolutely. Um, Stoops. Uh, got a couple comments in here, Facebook Live. Um, big things, Kentucky, Coach Truck, Bernard, we had those guys on uh, a few months ago. We got to get them back on again. They cover all the high school stuff, especially in Lexington, Central Kentucky area, and big things that are happening in the state of Kentucky. Um, Coach Truck says to make sure that we give his chiefs their credit <laughs> because you know, he kind of just Drifts to whatever team is winning. Uh, but he's in here talking about this, the Chiefs. And he also says, was last night EJ, was EJ the tweak for 2020? Was that the flipping of the switch for Cal and the Cats for this year? So here's, here's what I saw last night. Uh, it was a late night game. Had to do the the post game on ESPN 680. I'll be there again on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, EJ looked really really aggressive, and I think if there is a tweak, it, it, a lot of times with EJ he gets his hands on the ball, and there's that moment of hesitation. And a lot of what he did last night was get it and go. And he was very active, got to a lot of loose balls, got to a lot of rebounds. He played defense really, really well. He was able to, do, uh, as the saying is, defend without fouling. And a lot of the stuff that, mm-hmm. that Kentucky needs EJ to do to be successful isn't stuff that shows up on the stat sheet. Where Cal gets frustrated with EJ is EJ's the four, so he, he's got to come out, he's got to close, on three-point shooters, high hands, he's got to close with discipline, right? You don't jump like you're going to jump into the shooter. You jump where you're not going to make that contact. And that's what he did last night. He closed out on the jump shooters really, really well. Uh, EJ and Nick played really well with the physicality. I think it, it took Nick a little while to get going, but until he did, EJ was the man. He was all over the place. And he had three steals last night and a block. Very, very active. Uh, I think what we saw out of Nick and, and EJ last night, uh, they as a duo may not be the most talented duo, you know, in the front court, in the conference, in the country. But what they can do, and I think I suggested this, is look at tapes of, again, I'm an old person, so I go back in time, look at Eric Daniels and Chuck Hayes. I would say those guys are two of the most physically limited big men that we probably had. If you look at all the U.K. starting front court, I, I don't know if they cracked the top 25 all time uh, with those two guys. But they played really, really well together. And 
I think what gives Kentucky an edge is both of those guys can hit the 12 to 15 foot jump shot. EJ has three point range. So uh, I would like to see a little bit of a tweak of, okay, let, let, let EJ kind of initiate that pass over the top into the post to Nick. Let's see what happens that way. Nick gets the double team. He can pass it back out to EJ. And nine times out of ten, EJ is going to hit, be able to get that shot off over whoever is rotating from the weak side. I, I think that, that, that EJ can be that guy. Now, he's going to have to do it consecutive nights, right? Like, like we can't have mm-hmm. – you can't go back to two points and three rebounds, EJ. But I'm encouraged yeah. because a lot of EJ's great games have been against lesser competition. And, and look, Mississippi State was physical. They, they got big guys. They had Perry underneath that EJ and Nick frustrated. Uh, a, a lot of positives uh, that game last night. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's you know, he's kind of where Nick was at the start of the season. You know, can you put consecutive games together? Can you stack good games together? Um, did the light switch go off? Uh-huh. You know, you got, you got, it's not the same Tennessee. It's not, it's not Schofield. It's not Grant Williams. It's this Pons dude is is ripped. He's physical. And you got a big, long, lanky dude. And uh, oh, he's from Kingsport. His name escaped me. Left-handed dude. Got the floppy hair. Uh, Colbertson, John. But anyway, can he do it again? Um, and we know Kentucky's history down here in Knoxville. It's been a while since they won. Tennessee isn't great, but, you know, they'll be pulling out of all the stops like they always do. Um, but, yeah, he's even got a uh, – he got a mean rebound kind of out of his area and ripped the ball away from a guy. That's stuff we've been waiting for for a while. It'll be nice and timid and, and soft-spoken off the court. But, you know, when you're playing, your Rick Chapman says it in the pregame show with Buzz Baker, you know, you got you to gotta put that away. When you step in between those lines, uh, got a busted lip, you know, just you know, out there mixing it up. And as good as he was, and it was great to see Nick, you know, dropping 25 in the second half alone it was great to see. I was happy, maybe the happiest of all out of everything, to see Ashton Higgins, even though he didn't score a lot, but he was three to one again in the assist to turnover ratio. Six assists, two turnovers. That hadn't happened for a while. I've been, you know, sitting there almost about to tweet out for several games. Ashton got to tighten that handle up. He got to tighten up that handle. I know you guys talk about on the post game show playing a ton of minutes, and he is, but. Some of those turnovers that he's had at the start of games has just been, you know, you dribble off his foot or just throw the ball right to him, some, some perplexing type turnovers. So it's good to see him be, you know, efficient. Three to one assisted turnover. Didn't have to score a lot because EJ picked up that slack. You know, you know, you know, Higgins didn't have 14, 15, 16 points. Well, you know, EJ stepped in and pulled from the scoring load and took on the pressure off. So that's you know, another positive from, you know, and a domino effect from him showing up and having a good game. 
And, and here, here's the thing. I, I think the biggest concern moving forward has is, is got to be rebounding for this team. They've got to clean yeah. up the other team's offensive boards. And uh, I, I think the tweak, if we're, we're using that terminology, is going to be – now, I think – because we had a caller last night said, you know, the guards can't rebound. I disagree with that because mm-hmm. – uh, Maxie had four or five last night quickly. And all these guys have had like eight or nine rebound games. Hagen's, you know, the game he almost had a triple-double. So the guards can rebound. So there's got to be some balance because I, I, I don't think you can just leave it to Nick and EJ and, and Keon and, and Nate when he's in the game. We, we've got to send another one of those guards back. The good news is you get a guard with a rebound, you can get it go or, you know, you can pass the head. You've got three point guards, so I think that helps. So I think we'll probably see uh, some some help on the glass with that. But, you know, this team, I think this team is what it is, right? Clean up the offensive rebounding for the, uh, for the opponent, those second chance points. Uh, do that, and you, you, you win the game a little bit more comfortably last night. Uh, only shot one of ten from three. You know, this team, yeah. I don't think this team is going to be able to beat teams by 20 points. I just don't think that's the, the makeup of what this team can do. And sometimes you get a team like that. Uh, you know, some people say, well, that's an issue. My thing is, and I said this last night, unless you're the 1996 Wildcats where you beat everybody in the tournament by an average of 20 points, setting a record in that respect, you're going to have to win some tight games. What I like is what I have seen. I know Auburn was weird just because uh, we had guys foul out and everything like that. But a lot of times these close games, there's no panic, right? You know, Ashton was right, up yeah. and down at Texas Tech. But when it crunch time came, bam, they, they, they won the game against Louisville. Uh, you know, they, they executed that that. Uh, game at the end of, or that play, excuse me, at the end of regulation, it didn't go down, but they out executed Louisville uh, in the overtime. So that to me is is a big thing. Uh, number two is we've got four guys that can hit free throws at a high clip. Now mm-hmm. la- last night when Michigan, Michigan State, excuse me, Mississippi State was doing the foul and all that. If you notice, out of a timeout, Cal brought. Nick Richards up to catch the inbound. What other big man in the country is the coach going to bring into the play when you know the other team is going to foul? So they have confidence in that in the free throw shot. Uh, if they're able to take care of the ball, which I don't, which I don't think is a stretch, and clean up the rebounding, there's no reason this team can't excel in March. Uh, as you kind of said earlier, though, I do have a concern with the number of minutes that the guys are playing. I don't think we can get into a situation heading toward the postseason where Hagen, Maxie, and Quickly can do 35 minutes a night. I think that is – Cal's going to have to figure out a way with Juzang uh, to come in. He only had five minutes last night. But with Juzang – and Cal did hit at Dante Allen getting some playing time. Said that he's been working out, he's been running, he's been doing things. 
Now, Kyle's not going to do that just to burn his red shirt, but if it's a situation where, you know, if Kyle feels confident excuse me, that he can come in and get five to ten minutes, I think that's a, that's a bonus for this team. Uh, because I just I just don't think you want guys playing those kinds of minutes in the in the postseason because we have seen teams, uh, you know, even though it's a high seed and all this kind of stuff, those minutes they add up, particularly in the tournament where you know there's difference between regular season minutes and, and postseason minutes, and I don't think Ashton can 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 play 38 minutes a game in Kentucky win. Kind of like. Um, you know, maybe you know, mentioned Dusty Baker. You know, uh, Mark mentioned him when he was with Cincinnati. Talk about him here a little bit later because he's back in the game because he got the Astros job. But I think a lot of times, especially with the Cubs or maybe Cincinnati too, the knock on him was that he was just kind of burn his bullpen up and just kind of run it into the ground. Uh, Overusing his relievers. The same thing with, like you talked about, these minutes that Maxie and, and Hagens are kind of logging now, and we're getting into that that dog day stretch of the season. It's February. You still got uh, some tough road games coming up. You got LSU and Florida, and, and all that still coming up as you make your way through the SEC. To you know, to kind of. Wear them down now is going to bite you later. And then at the same time, you know, if, if Dante Allen is ready, it's, it's a lot to ask. Is he healthy? Is he 100% ready to go? You know, he had a stretch of tough luck his senior year in high school. That's kind of got him in this situation with the car accident, the torn ACL. But then you were already thin from a roster standpoint before Khalil Whitney left the team. So then you kind of got to you got so many things, so many moving parts and things to kind of look at as you go down these last, you know, three weeks heading into March. Yeah, and and and, and Cal, I think he went to the zone last night simply to kind of spell the guy, uh, because Hagen didn't score a lot, but but he was dogging Witherspoon for for Mississippi State. And there were clips. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if you saw that where he was hitting himself in the head a bit. Like, like Hagen was in his head, and and Hagen, and that's the thing. Too, yeah. We need him on both ends of the court. So, for him to be playing 38 minutes, running the show at one end, and defending the other point guard, and I didn't think that the zone was that bad because at times Kentucky has played this modified uh, kind of 1990s amoeba. Uh, zone that uh, uh, that UNLV made popular, and you can do that if you've got Nick Richards on the back end, right? You can you can kind of play that kind of where it's not really two three. You kind of shaping your defense, the offense. You can do that. Uh, obviously, it's a lot difficult to to rebound out of and and everything. But I think the the key for this staff is is figuring out how do we get these guys a little bit of rest. Yeah, you know. um, and that's like they. You say it all the time. The other team is good too. The other team has good coaches too. The other team has scholarship players too. The, which you know they get that eight ten point lead and not able to push it to fifteen eighteen twenty. 
to where you can empty the bench at the end because it kind of gets tight, and then, you know, you kind of have to, you know, you got to keep them out there to hit free throws and finish the game out. But like you said, they just got to kind of find a way to, to manage it as best they can. You know, like you said, work Juzang in a little bit more if possible. Um, if it works out, if you're, you're going to play Allen, there's minutes to be had. <laughs> um, if if he's healthy and ready to go. But that's a lot to ask of him to be as far behind as he is and, you know, work himself into being ready to be thrown out there at this point in the season. So we'll, we'll definitely have to see what happens over these next few weeks. Yeah, and, and again, I think that just looking around college basketball, there, there's really not a team I would be scared to play you know, maybe Baylor, maybe. But, you know, I watched Duke last night uh, play Boston College, and they were a combined over their first 27 three-pointers. And when the whole first you – know, and, and Duke didn't look great. So there's really not a team I'm I'm scared to play. Uh, so a lot of these folks say, oh, man, you know, the streak of – you know, Final Four, you know, the Final Four list streak continues. I, I'm not really to, ready to concede that because the season's not over. Well, you know, people, well, you know, yeah. last night, well, what do you see from this team that's got you convinced they can make a Final Four? I'm like, well, what have you seen in college basketball that's got you convinced that they don't? You know, I can point to, you know, Kentucky's got, you know, however many Final Fours, and I should know this off the top of my head. But there's a few of them that you're like, okay, that one was kind of a surprise, you know. So, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, look, you know, you know, 2014, 2011. There's, there's, you know, there's these surprises. You're like, oh, okay, this team can can get there. You know, we didn't. I didn't think 97 was going to have a deepest run as they did once Derek Anderson hurt his knee. And I'm sure I'm not alone with that. Because people are thinking, okay, without DA, how do we get – and we got back to the Final Four. So, you know, it, it's one of those that you don't know. And, and at some point, we're going to stop counting out Coach Cal. I, I said this last night. I believe this. Cal has reached that point where you can't have a reasonable discussion about it. People tweet out, you know, the last couple of years – I think Kentucky is three and three against Auburn, three and five against Tennessee. You know, the last couple of seasons, uh, I think five hundred against LSU. And I'm like, really? Like, I want Kentucky to win every game by twenty points. Okay, that's where I'm coming from. But the realistic side of me is, do you know how good you have to be for people to celebrate just breaking five hundred with you? Just breaking 500. Do you know how dominant you have to be? And, and I, I said this last night as well. When it comes to SEC, okay, we've lost to Tennessee a, a little bit lately. And, you know, in LSU, I said, I will push the panic button only when this happens. When John Calipari and the Kentucky men's basketball team goes two years without either a regular season or SEC tournament, if they just go two seasons without, then I will panic. Because you know what? It's never happened. And you know what? 
everybody that's talking about Ken lost Tubby. I love Tubby when he said this toward the end. He said something to the effect of, well, every year we're still getting a trophy from the SEC. As bad as we made it out to be under Tubby, we were still winning SEC hardware. So, no, I'm not worried about it. You know, no, I'm not worried. No, I'm not worried about because three years ago it was Texas A&M was going to take over the SEC. So, you know, it, next year, the year after, it's it, it, LSU, you know, whoever, the, you know, Auburn's going to be, all these teams are going to file by the wayside. I'm not going to get bent out of shape wondering if Kentucky is going to stop being the class of the SEC. That is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And Tom Izzo, <clears throat> Tom Izzo has, uh, I tweeted several weeks ago, Tom Izzo has quite a few 10 off seasons on his resume as well. But like I said, it's, just, it's no 10 lost Tommy that I know of. Nobody calls him that. But anyway. Yeah. And because because here's the thing, and, and it's not just Kentucky fans. We've said this before. I, I, I'm going to keep repeating myself because I'm an old person. But this team this year is what Kentucky basketball is, right? Most of the time, the majority of the time, Kentucky has a good coach, a great coach, okay? And most of the time, Kentucky has probably more talent than the teams it, it faces. Right, they've got a good amount of talent. What changes is from year to year, some teams have a bigger margin of error, some teams have a smaller margin of error. Like you look at the 2016 team, Ulyss and Murray, best backcourt in the nation that year, far none. Mm-hmm. But the front court, you know, so both of those guys had to play really, really well. You know, 2015 stands out to us, 2012 stands out to us, 1996 stands out to us. That's not what we get every single year. Kentucky doesn't do that every single year. Most of the time, we are one of the top 10 teams in the country, top 15, top 10, however you want to shake that out, and we've got a really good shot at a deep tournament. That's what Kentucky basketball is. We don't win every single game. You know, I said on this show in 2015, I I said, Vinny, I said, when the 2015 season ended, we lost to Wisconsin. I said, Kentucky's going to take a step back, and folks are going to lose their minds. We can check the pace. I said, the first time, because Cal came in, and we had, what, five or six number one recruiting classes. And I said, the, the, when we slide to number two, not even out of the top five, when Kentucky's got the number two recruiting, recruiting classes, Folks are going to lose their minds, right? I, you know, mm-hmm. we're looking at what we've done the last couple of years. It's foolish to think that after going to four Final Fours in five years, and keep in mind the list of teams and programs that have done four Final Fours in five years, do you know the list? Obviously, John Wooden at UCLA, mm-hmm. Coach K at Duke, mm-hmm. John Calipari. That's hard. Four Final Fours in five years, Kentucky had never done until now. That's unusual. And I said, for people to think that we're going to go to eight out of ten Final Fours, that, 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 there's no way that happens. The universe demands a balance. It's just not going to happen. 
You can't get the number one recruiting class ten straight years. So a lot of this frustration, a lot of this nitpicking, you just compare. And and, and I was watching this with Jason Inns last night, and I'm like, so are people saying that Cal can't get back to a Final Four? Is that what we're saying? Like, this is it? Like, he's going to be here for 10 to 15 years and we're never going to go back again? I, I don't I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. So you you got me ranting and raving. I know there's other stuff to talk about, but I, I get a little passionate about this and, kind of stuff. And if that were to happen, and look, I know social media is different. It's even more of a microwave society, instant gratification now than it was even in the 90s and early 2000s. But we've lived through that before. We went from 98 to 2012 without a Final Four. When you were grown, we were grown. We went from age 21 to 35 without Kentucky making it to a Final Four. So, uh, it, you know, it, if it was to happen, there's nothing you can do about it. But just deal with it. You know, yeah, it- and, and look, you know, the 98 team set down the nets. Tubby, you know, Tubby was never able to get to it. We talked about it a million times, Terry. If you get to a couple yeah. more Final Fours, his whole tenure is entirely different. Winning the title in 98 was the best and worst thing that happened for him. All rolled into one. The 03 team, we know about Bogan. We know about the Michigan State game and Patrick Sparks down there in Austin. We know about all that. But we went. 98 to 2012, no Final Fours. So it, it, it has happened. <clears throat> it has happened before. We lived. We yeah, nobody. Yeah. We made it. We we it was okay. It wasn't okay, but we we made it. <laughs> and people just go. They died. Just panic and just jumping off cliffs and angst for you know. In excess and for. And for me, the frustrating thing is the argument that people use to roast Cal, it it changed in a very subtle yet very dramatic way, right? When he first got here, it was you cannot win with one-and-done players, right? A lot of people typed out a lot of words and used a lot of bandwidth to say (laughs) you can't win with them. A few years later, the flip happened, and now it's you should have won more with them. Uh-huh. How, yeah. how, I'm no logistics guy, no logical thinker. No, that is not my forte, but how do those two jive? How do they jive? If anything, it should be, uh-huh. wow, he actually did win with those guys. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm not ready to pull the plug on this team. I'm not ready to, to reset. There's there's a middle ground between should Cal have one more championship? Yeah, it would make everybody feel better if he did. There's there's that mm-hmm. argument. And there's a middle ground between that and it's been an abject failure. Right. Well, no. you know, he should have won. Look, I've said it. See, you got me wound up. Every coach – at every level that has coached for an extended period of time and had some success, every coach 
has had the one team, at least one team, where you're like, how did that team not win? Mm-hmm. You know, you you hook up Roy yeah. Williams to some truth theorem, and he's got to wonder how Jacques Vaughn, Paul Pierce, and Rafael Friend didn't win a championship, right? Mm-hmm. Every coach that's not yeah. a cow thing; that is an every coach thing. How does that team not win? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm done. To sing. Let's, let's talk some baseball. <laughs> to, to segue. That might be the question that gets asked of Dave Roberts if the Dodgers don't win this year. Now, maybe they win in 2018 and 2017. But, you know, as we've all come to know, Houston and Boston <clears throat> were cheating pretty heavily. Uh, so maybe that, you know, the Dodgers may have already had a World Series if the Astros and Red Sox just cheat conventionally, without cheating with technology. Um, But the trade today where the Red Sox and Mookie Betts and David Price to the Dodgers, uh, because Boston is all of a sudden trying to save money, trying to get up underneath the luxury tax. They aren't trying to be in the arms race with the Yankees this year. They're kind of just saying – we can't hang. You know, the Yankees are, you know, they got Gary Cole, got Stanton, got Aaron Judge. We can't, we ain't got enough horses to get with the Yankees this year, is basically what they're saying. So Mookie Betts, David Price to the Dodgers, and the three team deal the Dodgers sent Kenta Maeda, right handed pitcher, to the Twins. Um, and then they sent a pitching prospect, Bruce Dar Gretterall, to Boston. Um, and they're paying the Dodgers. They're sending David Price, Mookie Betts, and an undisposed amount of millions to the Dodgers, who are already stacked. Uh, and now this is before this trade happened. So they're going to be the clear favorite in the National League. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Braves fan, Braves won a division. You know, had an unfortunate collapse in game five against the Cardinals. But they're, you know, in the mix again this year. And the Dodgers were, you know, they've won the West seven years in a row, been to the World Series, haven't won a ring yet. But then Betts has won an MVP. If you look at what he's done since he's come up with the Red Sox, it's insane. The Gold Gloves, Gold Gloves, MVP, batting titles, he's on track to be a surefire Hall of Famer, and he gets added to that insane Dodgers lineup. Uh, the pressure is going to be through the roof, but if this window closes and they don't win a title and they're still hanging on to 1988 where Earl Hershiser and Kirk Gibson beating the A's for their last championship, people will be asking, how did Dave Roberts not win a title? Just like you said, people still say, you know, how did Roy Williams not win with, the, you know, Paul Pearson, Jacques Vaughn, and all those guys? That's what yeah, LA is dealing with now. That's what the Dodgers are rolling yeah, out. Absolutely. Uh, the Dodgers are definitely in win-now mode. Uh, I think that is that going to be enough to, to propel them to a championship? Obviously, they think so. 
if you're L.A., you push all your chips to the table, and you say, you know, the teams we lost to, they cheated. And so that's got to be a driving factor as, as well. Like, okay, all right. Uh, you know, the consolation prize is people are going to look at that 2017 uh, World Series and, and whether or not there's an official asterisk. Folks our age, we, we're not going to forget that. You know, we'll be telling our grandkids, oh, yeah, that's, that's the teams that cheated in the World Series. That's, that's what happened. So uh, are, are the Dodgers going to be able to, to, to use that? They've got the talent, obviously. Uh, so they become the prohibitive favorites. But we have seen teams, uh, I think, in all the major sports, teams that have gone out and set that regular season win record or, or get close, don't win. You know, the 73 win uh, uh, Warriors in the NBA, the the Mariners that went, they won like 110 games or something ridiculous like that, didn't even reach the World Series. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's about pace and, and all that. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think, Roberts, if you're the manager of the Dodgers, yeah, you've got to be excited, but man. That this is this is one of those this is a win now season, you know this is a this is a win this is a win right now kind of thing. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure with that, and like you said, '88 has been a long time ago. <laughs> that is a long, <laughs> long time ago uh, uh, yeah. for the Dodgers faithful. So uh, especially, I think they were okay until the Giants won won all those championships, and when you when you're rivaling. Right. That that's what makes it even worse. You know that's mm-hmm. the that's the thing. It's like okay, uh, uh, you know, I don't mind us not winning. You know, getting close and not winning, but but don't don't let the rival don't let them stack chips on chips. Exactly. They put out a bunch of the you know the projected lineups or what the Dodgers could roll out there on a daily basis. I don't know if this is the exact order, batting order or not, but you got Mookie Betts, Max Muncy, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, Jock Peterson, Corey Seager, Gavin Lux, and Will Smith. And then you have Clayton Kershaw, who is, you know, he's not in his prime anymore, but he's still uh, an upper echelon pitcher. Walker Bueller from Lexington who was liked out for them in the playoffs. They lost to your Nationals, but he had a heck of a season, and he's, you know, extremely young and just going to get better and better. And now you add David Price to that rotation. So, I mean, don't know what their bullpen is going to be, but there's teams in a lot worse shape than the Dodgers in 2020. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, man. Um Unbelievable. Um, NBA, a huge trade as well, not as big from a star power player standpoint, which is weird, but because Mookie Betts is probably probably the best dude in the game outside of Mike Trout, if we're being honest. Uh, he was an MVP. And you add him to the Dodgers with Bellinger, who just won the MVP. So that's insane. Um but the Rockets, the Timberwolves, the Hawks, big old huge trade. 
Houston is right in the middle of it. Clint Capella um, is gone to the Hawks, and Gerald Green is gone. The Rockets are trying to play small. They get Robert Covington back in the 6'9". You got Tyson Chandler as the only other legit big left. Uh, I don't, I mean, with Houston, they were, they were doing all right. But I still don't, they weren't playing as good as they could have. Maybe they decided to shake things up. Harden been in a huge slump shooting prior to these last two or three games. But you, you're going to go small and basically say you have to hit threes. You absolutely have to be able to hit shots because Covington is your center. You know, Tyson Chandler, Wiley Veteran, I don't know how many minutes are expecting from him. And the Lakers got AD out there. The Lakers got Dwight out there. That's nothing but size on top of size. The Jazz have Rudy Gobert. Denver has big fella uh, Jokic. I, I don't know if I'm just totally cool with that. But, you know, we'll have to see how it all comes together between now and playoff time. But um, <clears throat> it definitely made a lot of waves, and I'm not completely – not completely feeling it, especially when you run up against those big teams in the West, you know, like your Lakers and those other teams I mentioned. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give your Rockets props for this. We see a lot of teams that stay stagnant for too long and try to ride things out. But, like, bringing in Chris Paul, then moving Chris Paul, your your Rockets are actively trying to to do things to get better. We don't see a lot of teams do that, especially when you have those deep playoff runs. A lot of teams will stay pat and, and maybe do a, a tinkering here or there. But uh, as we said earlier, your, your Rockets are kind of going all in. Now, will it be successful? That remains to be seen. Uh, I hope not, <laughs> being, <laughs> being a Lakers fan. <laughs> Uh, I hope I hope not, but uh, they they stay active. They they they're like, hey, we've got Harden, and we're going to do different things around him to see to, to make sure to, you know to give a chance to win. And we see a lot of times in the NBA, stars get frustrated when front offices don't do anything. We saw Anthony Davis mm-hmm. in New Orleans, and, and I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to be the same kind of way where it's like. What are you, you – you've got to give me somebody or or I'm out. And yeah. what the Rockets can say is, like, look, we have tried all kinds of things to 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 help Harden bring another – you know, brought in another point guard, brought in a different point guard. We are trying to cater to to him, which I, I'm okay with. You, you get – well, you've got one of the top five players in the league, MVP caliber guy. I've got no problem with them tailoring to tailoring everything to him. That's what you should do. Yeah. And Nene was also moved. Capella Nene to the Hawks. This is right. Covington and Jordan Bell to the Rockets. Jared Vanderbilt, former cat, was with the Nuggets. He is on his way to Minnesota. He'll be with Carlton Town. 
Evan Turner and draft picks, Malik Beasley and others. Um, Shabazz Maitre goes to Denver in the first round pick, and it was just a whole lot of pieces, you know, to get the salaries to match and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm just wondering, not hoping for it, but just wondering when, if and when Cat gets to that point because. You know, they made the playoffs that one year and lost to the Rockets in the first round, but haven't been that competitive. And when is he going to get to the point where he's busting out of there, ready to move on? Same thing with De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. Um, he's just, you know, uh, steady putting up numbers. You got Wiggins, you got Cat. It just hasn't really worked. Um uh, Saw where he was, you know, upset he didn't make the All-Star team. Said the West, you know, the, the 24 best players aren't there, and you, you know, he's missed some time. But look at his numbers, and it's hard to argue with what he's done this season. Um, I just wonder at what point, you know, and he's not as 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 gruff as, as Cousins is, or um, but he might get to that same point. You know, Anthony Davis is. Not as gruff as Cousins is either, but he had enough in New Orleans, and I just wonder uh, how much longer is Cat going to put up with all that in Minnesota. And, and, and part of that, too, is if anybody watched Anthony Davis in New Orleans, they had a lot of knuckleheads at the guard position. And, you know, I, I think if you got a guy like that, a particularly dominant post player, you can't wait until under 10 seconds in the shot clock to get him his touch. And mm-hmm. you got a big man like that, you can't go four, five, six, seven possessions and him not touch the ball. Like, you can't treat you, – you just you just can't do that. And a lot of times that's what's happening with these bigs that get frustrated is they got these guards that are knuckleheads that are like, hey, this guy can make the game easier for you if you use him correctly. Yeah, for sure. So uh, definitely a lot happier with his situation in L.A. Um, the All-Star team got announced, or the, the players who made it, the reserves. Uh, looks like the looks like the draft is tomorrow. It's again Team Giannis and Team LeBron. Bam Adebayo made it. Happy to see former Cat, who's had a great season in Miami. Uh, his homie Jimmy Butler is there. Anthony Davis, uh, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, James Harden, Brandon Ingram, former Laker, and doing big things in New Orleans. Nikola Jokic, Denver, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, which we got to talk about him here in a minute. Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton. Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, uh, DeMontis Sabonis from Indiana, Pascal Siakam, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Kimball Walker, Russell Westbrook, and Trey Young. Uh, your thoughts on that and then the new format on how they're playing like four mini games for charity and then they're going to have like a target score for the fourth quarter, depending on how the deficit is. Uh, Booker got robbed 
Devin Booker should be an all-star. True. Uh, Booker is just it's, and you can't say it's wins and losses when Trey Young's on the team. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, an all-star. It's always kind of subjective. But but no one in the history of the NBA has had a season like Booker's had and not been an all-star. So that's an issue. Uh, and, and talk about uh, players that are going to kind of get fed up with their team. <laughs> Booker <laughs> is, is, is going to have to get out of Phoenix. They're not even attempting. Because I've seen a couple games, and, and Aiton isn't doing anything. You know, he was a top pick a year or two ago, and <laughs> – uh, it, it's just a disaster. It's just a disaster out there in Phoenix. So, Booker, I think, will be the next guy that will be on the on the move and, and everything. Uh, you know, I understand why the NBA is tinkering with the with the setup of the All Star Game, but for my money, the NBA All Star Game and All Star Weekend has always been the best. It's always been the best to me. Uh, I do like Major League Baseball, that every team gets represented, and it's made for some great theater and everything like that. But what typically happens, the games are generally good, but, you know, when you get to the ninth inning, it's the Orioles' uh, second baseman versus the Rockies, you know, middle relief. You know, the, the, the juice is gone. Like, like Mike Trout's not coming up to bat against Clayton Kershaw in the bottom of the ninth, the all-star game. Like, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then in, in the Pro Bowl, uh, it's been garbage, right? It's just once yeah. they kind of moved it to before the the, the, the Super Bowl, and it, because they, I think they actually played in the 90s a little bit. They've always had the rules where you had to use the 4-3 and no blitzes and everything like that. But, you know, the last, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the Pro Bowl is just hot garbage. Just give me all these skills competitions. No, I don't want to watch the Which was good. football. That was good. I the, think the dodgeball well, with Jarvis Landry. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, you know, and there's 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 something to be said for that. But the NBA has always been okay. We're going to give you some oohs and ahs for three and a half quarters. Right, mm-hmm. we're going to give you some oohs and ahs, but for the last six minutes of fourth quarter, the games that were usually close, you got ten of the best basketball players in the world really going at it, right? Really, really playing, you know, really just 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 go and 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 that's been the All Star Game has kind of been that coming out party of sorts. You know, Kobe's won the All Star Game. You know, uh, MVP. Few, it, you know, Pippen, Scottie Pippen. He used the All Star Game in '94. Jordan is playing baseball. Scottie Pippen, with those bright red shoes, and hey, 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 wait a minute. You know, I can play well. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm good too. And uh-huh. as All Star Games go, we we've gotten really good theater. Uh, Green Yeah. Iverson in the East had that furious comeback, you know, a few years True, ago. Man. There was one year Kevin yeah. Durant went went crazy. You know, there was a stretch, all the All-Star games. I'm a Ray Allen guy. You would forget about Ray Allen because he was in Milwaukee. He was in Seattle when they weren't very good. He would come in, 
he would hit like four or five threes in a row, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, Ray Allen is pretty darn good, and then he would go back to <laughs> obscurity. <laughs> you know? yeah, uh, yeah, Mitch Richmond used to do that, too. Yeah, you'd like you – know, Sacramento. Yeah, and he would come in, and he would score some tough buckets, and, you know, he'd play some defense, yeah. and he'd be like, what? Uh, so, you know, I get they, they want to tinker it, and I, and I get all that, but, you know, this is my old man get off my lawn. Like, this was the one all-star event that that really worked uh, for me. So, you know, I'm a little skeptical to change. I get it. I, I appreciate the honoring of Kobe, but, you know, you kids get off my lawn. <laughs> In the Saturday night, before we see this new revamp deal on Sunday, the three-point contest is going to have eight contestants. Davis Burton's, the Wizards, Devontae Graham, Charlotte, Joe Harris, Brooklyn, probably your favorite, Buddy Hill from Sacramento, Zach Levine from the Bulls. That's kind of, you know, raise your eyebrows for him in there. Dane Lillard. Duncan Robinson from the Heat and Trey Young from the Hawks. That's your three-point lineup. And then you have the Skills Challenge competition. Uh, Bam Adebayo's in Nets. Patrick Beverly. Clippers. Spencer Dinwiddie from the Nets. Chris Middleton from Milwaukee. D. Rose from the Pistons. Uh, Sabonis from the Pacers. Pascal Siakam from the Raptors. And Jason Tatum from Boston. The Skills Participants. And then the dunk contest for dudes. Uh, I tweeted out you got you got past Orlando with Dwight Howard against present Orlando Aaron Gordon, and he has shown clean out in these dunk contests before. The one where he looked like he was just sitting on a couch and went behind his back and below his bottom and dunked it was unbelievable. Derek Jones Jr. is a high flyer too from Miami. And then Pat Connison from Milwaukee. He used to be at Notre Dame. Those are your four in the dunk contest. But your, your boy Dwight is back in there after being out for, I think, 11 or 12 years when he did the Superman thing. So we got a, a past champ in there, a couple past champions in here going at it. Yeah, it, you know. My my only knock is the the dunk contest, and I'll be the first one to say since the All Star Games in Chicago uh, that year uh, was it eighty eight eighty nine. Dominique got robbed. Okay, let's just let's just let's just put that out there. Uh, but I, and look, the guys in it are fabulous dunkers. All right, I, I'm not gonna knock the guys on their dunking ability. However, that's my Stephen A. Smith. However, uh, <laughs> you know, I also remember a time when the dunk contest, Dr. J made it famous. Michael Jordan, like, participated. Kobe Bryant participated. And, you know, even looking back at, at, at uh, Vince Carter, uh, when when the Vinsanity was Vinsanity, we're just not getting the the big names in the in the dunk contest. 
in, I think it, it loses a little bit. It becomes more of a sideshow. And I hate to use that terminology, but, I, you know, I remember being a kid and, and, and Dominique and, and MJ and, and Spud Webb, <laughs> you know, going against those guys. It used to it used to have some cachet to it that, you know, I, I think hooking LeBron up to some truth serum, I think one of his regrets might be never doing the dunk contest. Yeah. Because I hope so. I was I was explaining to some youth. That's where the the Jordan logo came from. Was that dunk contest? Mm-hmm. You, you know, the first two or three of the Jordans, you know, just had the swoosh on it. You know, but Yo. now, you know, the, the Jumpman logo <laughs> is that logo, and it's from the dunk contest. That's how iconic mm-hmm. it, it used to be, and it's kind of lost a little bit now. Dwight Howard. Uh, coming back, you know, that, I, I don't know, I think it's Aaron Gordon to lose, how he's going to top that sit-down between the, you know, that yeah. sit-down kind of dunk, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, these, these guys, the creativity is, is awesome. You know, I'm waiting for Kenny Smith to do it. It's over. It's over. Go home. <laughs> you know, I'm waiting on that moment. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not sizzling for me. Uh, your boy Patrick Beverly is in the skills competition, and I didn't know that playing overly aggressive defense was a skill. But we'll see, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Ain't my boy no more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I loved him though when they had him. I loved him you know, you, you got to have, you got to love him or hate him. And we've known him since he was at Arkansas. You got to have him. You got to have those types. Just be trying to get on people's nerves and, and, you know, playing hard. He has never acted like he has made it. He acts like he's, you know, one turnover away from going back down to the GV. That's the way he plays. He, he stayed hungry. All these years, and that's that's that mentality that he brings. So um, and you can't knock his grind at all. I just can't pull for him now that he's antagonizing the Rockets instead of being with Houston antagonizing Russell Westbrook like he used to. You know the history they used to have. Uh, can't knock his grind at all though. <laughs> Carved out right. a pretty good and, career and I yeah, so it's good. I'm gonna uh, now, you know, the NBA. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna be all over the the, the All Star Weekend and everything like that. That's that's not a problem. I'm still really on board uh, with that. But the tweaks, we'll see. Uh, and you know, maybe we'll get an iconic dunk. Maybe you know, it's it, it, it's one of those things. But I just remember the the dunk contest just being the. I mean, it was it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And then, you know, our guy, Harmi Diallo, not doing it, you know, I'll be honest, I kind of forgot that he won it last year. I had, you know, until, <laughs> until I saw like, yeah. oh, yeah, he did. So, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as UK women, 
hate to see Ryan Howard get hurt and be out for a couple of weeks. Glad that it wasn't worse to where she was, you know, lost for a season or missing up into the SEC or NCAA tournament. Uh, they beat Missouri without her the other day. Should have beat Florida and, and, you know, let the Gators off the hook and drop the game. Uh, but hopefully they can kind of stay afloat and, you know, next woman up until Ryan gets back. Yeah, and, and it goes back to what we said with Mark Stoops and the culture he's built. Ryan Howard, phenomenal talent. I mean, she's on all the watch lists and everything like that. Uh, but the team, I, I think they can they can still win. They can still do a lot of things. And, and I don't even want to say tread water. I think they can thrive until she comes back because when, when she comes back, they're a top 10, top 15 program. And I still think uh, it's one of those things, like I said, about the men's team as well. You look around women's basketball, and I'm not going to presume to be an expert, but uh, they've played some really good teams really, really close. I think they can get hot and get at least back to that Elite Eight. Uh, I, I don't think that's out of the question, you know, provided she comes back and she's, and she's ready to go. I think that's a, a, big, a big thing. We're not experts on the women's game, but – Oregon did go into Connecticut and just take it to them the other day. Uh, I think Oregon's ranked third in the nation now. UConn was fourth or something like that. But UConn hadn't lost the game at home since 2013. And Oregon went in there and, and basically had their way. And they were up you know, 11, 15, 18, 20, pretty much throughout. And UConn make a run every now and then, but – Oregon did whatever they want to do. That that uh, Sabrina Ushis or something's her name. She's they got a squad, so uh, you don't see that happen. Gino Ariema was emptying his bench because he was down twenty, you know, at home. So it was one of those. I just happened to see it, and you know, that that kind of thing don't happen a lot. So Oregon is for real. Uh, I think they made the final four last year and lost to Baylor, and they're out to, you know, it was a measuring stick kind of game for them, and they went in there and, and took it to the Goliath on the block, and they're trying to establish themselves in the women's game now. Yeah, everybody panicking about, you know, what's happening with, with Cal. It's been, what, three, four years since, since Gino and the Lady Huskies are <laughs> – of won uh, the championship after having what two different 100 plus team win streaks. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's panic time, but I, I think that Gino would say again, my truth serum. Uh, this, it's good for women's basketball. It's good for women's basketball yeah. for uh, somebody other than Connecticut and Tennessee. The traditional powers kind of kind of have some shine. I, I think. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And flipping it back to the SEC, you know, we talked about Vanderbilt earlier. Um, their AD, they had an AD pass away. It was David Williams a year or so ago. He was replaced by Malcolm Turner, who steps down after just being there for a little more than a year. 
but his interim AD is Candace Lee, who is the SEC's first African American female AD. So, some history made down in Nashville and Vanderbilt with Candace running the athletic program down there for the Commonwealth. Yeah, but Vanderbilt's that weird thing. I wish her luck, and and uh, and obviously that's a, a trailblazing move. But but Vanderbilt doesn't see is you know, I hate to sound like it's not, they don't seem to be all about athletics, which is fine. It's certainly their right to run their program as how they see fit, but uh, I, I just don't know. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it go. Vanderbilt is just a strange situation. Like they're, they're that outlier when it comes to the SEC, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, the, the baseball team is competitive and win titles. The the basketball team is, you know, they've been okay. They've been you know, usually tough at home. Uh, you know, beat Kentucky in 2012 in the SEC tournament. Uh, had injuries the past couple of years, but they they haven't won an SEC game of any kind in basketball in two years. They've got a going on 30-game losing streak in the conference, regular season and tournament, which is which is weird, you know. Uh, Dan, this was on last week, and, you know, we said that, you know, Kentucky was about to play Vanderbilt because it was – they played last Wednesday at 630. And, like, this isn't the Vanderbilt you used to go against and, you know, because they were, they were good. They were tough. Uh, Dan Payne Lane Wallace, walking through that door, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Perry Wallace was playing <laughs> against Dan Issel and, and all of those guys, and <laughs> uh, so yeah, it is weird that you got to tip your cap to you know Candace for making history uh, with the position of being AD. Uh, and Jerry Stackhouse, I mean, who was it? Bryce Drew was there and got fired, and now Jerry Stackhouse is just walking into a mess. Uh, it is weird. Yeah. yeah. They had a streak of three-pointers for, you know, 1988. Made a three every game. That's even gone by the boards. And they lost that streak against Tennessee, which is even more salt to their wounds. So, no, I mean, nothing. They can't even – nothing can go right for them. Not even one made three. Yeah, that, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Speaking of Tennessee, I, I – I do think that that you know if Kentucky will find a way to to end that streak in top of bowling this Saturday. Um, and you know, being down here and growing up on the border, you you, you can't stand losing to them. Uh, of course, they'll go all out and, and play better than they have. But Memphis is going in there and, and beat them without Wiseman. Wisconsin went into Knoxville and absolutely drilled them. Texas A&M beat them in Knoxville. Uh, and then the same Memphis team that went in there also went to Tulsa and got beat 80-40. to 40. So the home court advantage isn't what it normally is for them. They'll play out of their minds because it's Kentucky. But I think Cal will finally get a win in Tulsa Bowling because it's been a while. Yeah, I think I think the Cats will win. I'm not going to pick them uh, to lose, but uh, for, for the for folks saying that this team 
going to the SEC is not going to be battle tested. If you look at the ACC, they've only got three teams in in the bracketology. They've only got three tournament teams in. Right. Louisville, right. Duke. That's good. And uh, Florida State. Florida State. And, that's good for them. And as questionable as the SEC is, we're going to get four or five teams in. Probably more than that, there's some teams that are on the bubble. But, you know, and this is historically what happens. You know, the SEC, I know, is not historically a great conference. But Kentucky gets ready because there are always weird and difficult places to play. And you, you get everybody's best shot. I think there's something to be said for, hey, you go down to Auburn, it's a big deal. You go to uh, uh, Knoxville, it's a big deal. Still. Teams still want to beat Kentucky. It still means something in the SEC. Again, goes back to my previous point. I will panic when Kentucky goes two years without winning anything in the SEC. Just two. Yeah, At that point, I will panic. Uh, but I think Hagen is a team. They only had eight turnovers uh, last night. Right. Uh, uh, Hagen's played really under control. Uh, Maxie, who I, I think – I thought it was just going to be a score, you know, after we saw against Michigan State. But he's really filling out the, the stat lines. Eight points, I think five rebounds, four assists last night. He's playing really solid basketball, and he's able to uh, to initiate a lot of the offense and take some of that burden off Hagens as well. Uh, really running a lot of those screens, those curl pin downs where he kind of curls into the paint where he can just, catch the ball, do that floater that is phenomenal shot, or get the ball to, to Nick Richards, uh, you know, quickly and, 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 and Maxie have both of those uh, those kind of plays available to him. So I feel confident, uh, work on the, the defensive rebounding, and, you know, get out of Thompson Bowling Arena with a win. Absolutely. Absolutely. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to hearing you on the post-game show. Always enjoy the work you're putting in down there. Uh, enjoyed having this show. Definitely uh, glad that you're you're getting over the pain of Sunday. That was a tough one. Uh, now they still have a, a bright future. Uh, and yeah, glad you, like I said, that's a tough one. Glad you're getting over that. I was thinking about you as that was kind of taking place in that fourth quarter. Um, We'll move on again before you know it. It'll be football time again. We'll enjoy spring and March Madness in the playoffs and see what this Kentucky team will do going forward. But uh, appreciate you hopping on as always. And thanks to Mark Berger for getting on with us for the first time. Um, and hope he enjoyed his free weekend. But it was definitely an enjoyable run he had on the Sunday morning sports show with with A. Dog White and, and Larry Barton fellas. So, fun show. Look forward to doing it again. Appreciate everybody who took the time to listen. And look forward to popping back on here next Wednesday, doing it all again. The replay will be Saturday, but it'll be at the same time as Cats involved. So, nobody will be listening. But if you missed it, it will be on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. And hope you have a good rest of the evening, man. And you do the same. Thanks, cool everybody, for listening. Thanks, Mark, for coming on. Absolutely. For my man, Terry T.B. Brown, this has been Vinny Hardy. 
another fun episode of Cast Talk Wednesday. Y'all catch us next week. We'll be right here. Take care, y'all. Strangers become friends. Fall in love with your boy, you're over again.